Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. We are live. It is a Monday morning. It's the Standing Room Spartans podcast. It's your host, Kevin Parker, here uh, with a mailbag episode we had on Thursday. If you want to check it out, we did a long kind of midseason snapshot, you know, where we're at here halfway through the scheduled season, if we include the Champions Week game. And we we talked a lot about, you know, kind of where we're at here. So, I didn't want to go through that again and kind of repeat ourselves a bunch. So if you haven't already, make sure you go and check that out. Catch yourself up on the feed a little bit here. Uh, So today I wanted to get the takes of the fans. I wanted to get the questions of you guys and make this a little bit more interesting. So um, we got all of that here today. I'll be a little bit shorter. Um, So if again, if you haven't already, make sure you listen on Thursday's episode um, where we go a little bit more in depth in some of this stuff. So, um, look, it, it's uh, it, it's it was a nice weekend off, right? <laughs> My uh, Big Ten picks we we pick every week against the spread. I was six and zero. I picked every single uh, game correctly in the Big Ten, so that was a good win for me, a good win for my bank account, um, and it, it was a lot of fun. So at Standing Room MSU on Twitter, at Standing Room Spartans on Instagram. Um, and we do post our, our picks every week. So if you want to follow along, I'm currently 18, 12, and 1 against the spread, uh, which if you're a gambler, you know, is pretty hard to do. But our staff as a whole, look, uh, Scott is 17, 13, and 1, as TJ is as well. Marshall, 21, 9, and 1. It's just ridiculous, man. We're, we're doing pretty well for ourselves. So I don't know how that happened, but here we are. Uh, but let's get to some of these questions. Uh, again, if you haven't already, uh, you know, all this stuff, uh, follow on Twitter uh, at Standing Room MSU. Subscribe to the podcast if this is your first time listening. I appreciate it. Go back and check out the previous episodes um, and, and leave me an Apple review. I really appreciate that. So let's get into some of these questions at Sparty Je- or Jeff Sparty Jeff. Excuse me. Um, do we see Rocky next weekend or what's the status at the QB position? Um, hard to answer that. Mel Tucker has been pretty coy so far with his responses. Uh, it, it really, to me, if I'm trying to read the tea leaves, it sounds like they're, tr- they're, they're back to a QB competition. Uh, they're, they're, I think that if 
Peyton Thorne had taken this job and if we had taken this two weeks with Peyton Thorne preparing as the starter for this team, that we would know it by now. Uh, and, and Mel Tucker, with everything he's said so far, has kind of alluded to the fact that these two guys are still battling it out. Uh, we have a press conference later this week, so we will certainly give you uh, the information on that if he says anything tomorrow. But as of right now, we have no idea. Obviously, if you've listened to this before, you know my thoughts, and I hope Peyton Thorne is getting those starter reps, but it doesn't sound like that's necessarily the case. Uh, at Luke L, uh, Luke Baker at LW Baker 33, who has been the best new coach so far, both development and recruiting wise? Um, hard to answer developmentally. Um, I guess we'll run through the new staff. Obviously, Mel Tucker, the head coach. On the offensive side, you got Jay Johnson. He's the offensive coordinator and the quarterbacks coach. You have Chris Kapilovich, the offensive line coach and run game coordinator. Uh, Courtney Hawkins, the receivers coach. Ted Gilmore, the tight ends coach. And uh, you have William Peekler, the running backs coach. So uh, defensive side, Scotty Hazleton, of course, the new defensive coordinator. Uh, Harlan Barnett comes back uh, to East Lansing, coaching the cornerbacks. Uh, Ross Ells is coaching the linebackers and the special teams. And the rest of the staff, Ron Burton, Mike Tressel, are, are holdovers from uh, D'Antonio's group. So as far as recruiting-wise, I think the answer is pretty clear here, and, and that's Chris Kapilovich. He's done a tremendous job here, especially as of late, uh, bringing in a, a lot of offensive line talent over the last couple months, really. Uh, when you go to really since August, I mean, he's done, he's done a great job of bringing in, you have uh, Gino Vandemark from New Jersey. That's a four-star kid. Uh, Gavin Brocious just this week um, adds to the 2022 class. But, uh, you know, you have Rayshon Benny, of course, that was last week's big signing on the offensive line, a uh, four-star kid. Uh, Brandon Baldwin, Juco transfer out of Independence. You have, uh, I mean, a whole list of guys. And the two commits that we have here for the 2022 class are both offensive linemen. The first two recruits to start off the next year's class, Christian Phillips and Gavin Brocious, both offensive linemen. So I think Chris Kapilovich has done a great job bringing in these talent, keeping in contact with these kids and done a great job there. Developmentally, it's really hard to say one way or the other. I mean, it's it's just when you have, you know, only four games under your belt with the new staff, in addition to the lack of a, a real offseason, you know, installing everything via Zoom, all of this kind of stuff. It, it's hard to say the development, I guess we will probably see more in 2021 who, who's really developing these guys. Um, I, I guess if I had to pick one, I would I would probably say Scotty Hazleton. I think that there's been a lot of improvement around, across the board on, on some of these younger defensive players that I didn't really see coming, to be completely honest, between guys like Hunt and Mallory on the defensive line. Um, so really hard to say at this point. I, I think next year will be the time that, that we're really going to see the development side of these coaches. Uh, let's see here. At Rel2True. J. Rell asks, should certain teams in the Big Ten keep playing or cancel the rest of the season? Uh, man, Penn State, they're 0-5 right now. 
if I'm then, I would love to just take my ball and go home. Uh, they, they've had a tough go of it. They lost their best player, Micah Parsons, before the season to an opt-out. They lost their top running back before the season to some heart issues. And they just lost their you know current best player on the roster, Pat Fryermuth, the tight end. Uh, he's injured. He's out for the year. So been a tough run for them. They were a team that had Big Ten championship aspirations. I think if I'm a Penn State player or coach right now, man, I'd love to go home uh, and just take the rest of this year off. At Spartan, 18770, he's got a couple questions here. The first, will Jay Johnson realize that the team strength is in its receiving corp and that should be its first, second, and maybe third option of attack? Um Yes and no. Like it's hard to say. Of course, the receivers are are the best thing that this team has going for us right now. Problem is we don't have a quarterback to get him the ball. And uh Urban Meyer on the big noon kickoff on Fox, he did a good job kind of breaking down. They were asking him, like, you know, when when you have these great playmakers, how do you make sure you're getting the ball in their hands? He said it's, it's easy as a running back, right? You just turn around and hand the ball. As a, as a wide receiver, he's, he talked about some examples he's had in the past of Curtis Samuel of Percy Harvin uh, going back to his Florida days where you have to get creative. You, you have to figure out a way to, whether it's jet sweeps, whether it's end arounds and that kind of stuff, or, or whether you put them in a bunch formation and, and you find a way to, to use the other two receivers um, to kind of uh, distract the coverage so that he gets an easy one-on-one matchup that you know he can win, bubble screens. you you got to find ways to get these guys the ball in a non-traditional way, and I think that Michigan State and the staff has to figure that thing out. So we we got to find a way to get these receivers the ball and, and in space because the quarterbacks certainly are going to make it more challenging, uh, but the play callers have to get more creative there. At Spartan 18770 as well, he says, with the recent recruiting success, what are the chances we get Raquan Buckley? Um, That's the uh, offensive and defensive line. He's a two-way player right now uh, out of Michigan. He is – everything I've seen basically up to this point is that it's between us and Nebraska. Haven't seen anything that would change that. He put out a top five recently. We were both in there, so – I think we got a good shot. I mean, from the people I talk to, it seems like kind of a coin flip right now. So I think we got a good shot at Buckley. Uh, last question from Spartan 18770. In three years, what will the Big Ten East look like starting from strongest to weakest? This is a very difficult question uh, because I think when you look at the Big Ten East, uh, just going from the current standings to make it easier, Ohio State on top. Ryan Day is still going to be there. They're still going to be on top of the conference. Indiana, is Tom Allen still going to be there? Um, He's currently getting paid just under $4 million a year, which, you know, sounds nice, but as a Power 5 head coach, is not a whole lot. Is there a team that's going to come in and and command, uh, you know, a higher salary? Is there going to be a team that's going to make him an offer he can't refuse? I know he does love Indiana. I know he loves that school and that program. Is there going to be an offer that can pull him away? Uh, if not, if Tom Allen's still there, I think they're still you know, going to be right up there at the top of the Big Ten East. I, I think they're just – he is such a good coach. He commands the respect of his players. Uh, players love playing for him. The recruits are pouring in. So 
if Tom Allen's there, I would expect them to be in the top three teams or so in the in the division. If Tom Allen leaves, where does that put Indiana? Are they right back to where they've been for the last few decades? Uh, Maryland at 2-1-1 and one right now. I expect them to be more towards the bottom. I, I don't think that they're going to be a consistent top three or four team in the division. They're, they're just always one of those programs that they get some talent because of their recruiting base, but just aren't able to put it all together. I think um, that that's going to be the case, especially with Loxley there. I think he's a really inconsistent coach, and I, I don't expect them to hang around. Michigan at two and three right now. They're fourth in the Big Ten East. Um, is Jim Harbaugh going to be there in three years? Probably not. So who do they bring in? Is it a huge stylistic change where they're going to have to, you know, wait a whole recruit, a couple of recruiting classes to, um, you know, get their guys in? And where is Michigan going to be in three years? I have no idea. Uh, Michigan State, of course, you know, Mel Tucker will still be here in three years. I, I can't imagine any circumstances that would get him out the door within three seasons. So, Look, we have no idea. We could be a second place team in the Big Ten East. Uh, we could be a last place team in the Big Ten East. I, I don't think anybody really knows. Rutgers, uh, Greg Schiano's got something going on there. They got some energy in that program. Certainly, they they beat us. They got a double overtime loss against Michigan. And I know there's no such thing as a moral victory, but uh taking Michigan down to double overtime as a Rutgers program that, you know, I, I remember just a couple of years ago, they lost by 70 to Michigan. So um, that's got to feel good for Shiano and that, that program. Again, they, they could be, you know, a middle of the pack division team. I, I think that's kind of their ceiling given the limitations of that program. But, you know, if they're hanging around fourth place in the division once every three or four years, they could make a run at it. I think that's that's about where we're going to see with Rutgers and Penn State. This this might be a little bit hot takey, but I, I think that it's kind of the opposite because people are calling for James Franklin. People are saying he's on the hot seat. People are saying uh, the Penn State program is done. Look, this is a program that's got three 11 win seasons in the last four years. Uh, really, all it takes is for them finding a quarterback and Justin Fields was very close to commit. He I think he did commit to. Penn State um, and ended up flipping. If if Justin Fields is at Penn State right now, this is an entirely different conversation. So, look, they just got to find a quarterback and they'll be just fine. Uh, they recruit just they recruit towards the top of the conference every year. Um, they're bringing in talent. They just got to put it all together. So I expect them to be right up there in that second place in the East behind uh, Ohio State. Uh, let's see here. We got Verbose Dutch at V-E-R-B-O-S-E Dutch. Uh, due to COVID and the limitation, limited practice and available, availability issues, like guys opting out along with guys out with injuries, what do we really know about this roster and the coaches? This is a great question. Um, and the answer, I think, is there are a couple position groups I think we know about, and the rest of the team, the rest of the coaching staff, I think we have no idea. Uh, we, we battled injuries all year. Of course, we lost Jordan Reed, the guy that we expected to start at right tackle before the season even started to opt out. Uh, we lost a couple more opt outs in the middle of the year. I know Mustafa Khalifa last week against Indiana or two weeks ago against Indiana. 
Uh, we were out three starting secondary players. Jackson, uh, Kalon Gervin, and Trey Person were all out. Matt Allen's been out for most of the year to this point. Dotson's been out for a couple weeks now at the tight end spot. Uh, we've dealt with a lot of injuries. We've dealt with a lot of adversity for a, for a team that's trying to implement new schemes on both sides of the ball. So uh, do we know a whole lot about this, this roster? Do we know a lot about this coaching staff? Probably not. Um, the two things that I'm pretty confident about, number one is we don't have a quarterback on this roster that can bring us to a Big Ten championship. And number two is this offensive line is not good. <laughs> so other than that, um, I, I think there's a lot of unknowns. Alex Seabass, he's got a couple things here at ASA Bella 22, Bella 22. Uh, starting quarterback next year is Rocky Lombardi, Theo Day, Peyton Thorne, Noah Kim, Hampton Fay, or a transfer. Um, <laughs> I have no idea, man. I, I hope transfer. That, that's I, I guess if you're asking what I'm hoping for, it would be transfer. Who do I predict? I don't know, man. If you ask me to like put a paycheck on it right now, Peyton Thorne. I think would be my pick, but I have no idea. That's not based on anything. I, I really have no clue. Um, Asabella22 also says, in your hot takes for the season, I said Tyler Hunt would be the second string tight end. I thought that was a bit of a hot take, but he's kind of done the best, the most out of all the tight ends to this point, right? Yeah, man. That, <laughs> I, I think I laughed at that one too. I, I remember... That hot take, we did a hot take episode where where uh, everybody brought their hot takes to the table. And you said uh, the Tyler Hunt would be the second string tight end. And, and I laughed, but here is Tyler Hunt. Couple catches, he's got a touchdown. Uh, man, I, I got to hand it to you, Alex. That was a good pick. Uh, Scott L. Brown, S.L. Brownie, who is the offensive MVP up to this point in the season? Yes, you have to pick one. Uh <laughs> I don't want to pick one. Um, no, it it would be, man, it would be Jalen Naylor. He's been a consistent deep threat all year long. Uh, 13 catches, 280 yards, and a touchdown. Um, he's been the guy that really stretches the field for us, and he's been not only a guy that's, that's making some of these plays, but he, he's threatening every single play is on the field. He's, he's a threat to, you know, catch a deep pass to go the distance. So, you know, he had six catches, 84 yards week one against Rutgers. He, he was making a couple of plays in that game. Of course, against Michigan, he had those two deep balls, two catches for, for 68 yards in that one. Um, then Iowa, he was really the only thing that was going in that game. Um, he had those two deep catches from Rocky Lombardi, the only two really successful passing plays the whole game, finished with 119 yards. Didn't do really anything against Indiana, but, you know, who did? So I, I guess if I had to pick one, it'd be Jalen Naylor. He's been stretching the field, and that's important to have somebody on offense who at least is threatening down the field so that the defense has to respect that. They have to bring a safety over the top. Jaden Reed's been pretty solid as well, but – you know, he's turned the ball over a few times and it's hard to trust him. So um, I would go with Jalen Naylor here so far as the offensive MVP. And that is, uh, nope, we got one more here, excuse me, from Buckarine Pod, uh, the Buckarine Podcast. 
um, as says, well, MSU has an offense that struggles to get out of its own way going against a, a Northwestern Wildcat defense that is the best MSU will see this year. I guess the only question is, does MSU even get three points this weekend? Uh, I don't want to answer this question. I watched the the whole Nebraska or the whole Northwestern Wisconsin game, and man, that defense is tough. We scored seven points the last uh, two weeks combined. They have given up. Uh, they only gave up seven points against Wisconsin uh, this week. So if we, if we score a touchdown against this defense, I think I'd be pretty happy. Uh, but, man, we'll, we'll we'll break down the whole Northwestern game, but that's going to be a tough one. Uh, the the fighting Pat Fitzgerald's out there, 5-0. and oh. Uh, they're they're looking awesome so far this year. So uh, that that's a big one. I actually did predict them to beat Wisconsin. I had them money line. I had them actually before the season when we picked all these games. Um, I I did pick them to beat Wisconsin in the preseason. So I, I will give myself some credit there. But again, that's all we got. A little short episode here. A little mailbag episode. Wanted to make sure we get something out. Again, if you're looking for uh, a little bit more content and you haven't listened to Thursday's episode, I really do recommend it. I I honestly think it's one of our best episodes that we've done. Scott and I sat down and took a look here halfway through the season, and we talked about, uh, you know, where we at on the offensive side of the ball and what did we expect on the offensive side of the ball? What's surprising? What did what did we really see coming? Um, and I think it was a great job of just kind of having a good conversation. I think it was more conversational than most of the stuff we've done. So I really do recommend that if you haven't already. Again, follow on Twitter at Standing Room MSU, at Standing Room Spartans on Instagram. I really appreciate all of you listening. I really do. I love seeing it. I love seeing the interactions on Twitter. I love the, you know, just support from all of you guys. It really means a lot. So uh, continue to tell your friends and family if they're looking for a good Michigan State football podcast. Uh, you know, the basketball season is coming up just as kind of the public service announcement here, I guess, because um, they do have a tip-off coming Wednesday. Um, I, I don't do MSU basketball. There's a lot of great MSU basketball podcasts out there that you can listen to. Uh, I, I'm I'm a football guy. I, I really, I like basketball. I watch basketball, but you know, as far as breaking it down, I think other other people just do a better job of that than I would. So I'm not going to, you know, overstep my boundaries here. I love football. I talk about football. I, I live and breathe football. Um, so I hope you can appreciate uh, my takes on football. But this is a year-round MSU football podcast. I don't really get into the basketball side again. Um, other people do a better job of that than I would. So Hope you have a great week. Hope you had a great weekend. Got a chance to get away for a little while um, instead of watching this, you know, poor MSU performance. Uh, you got to relax a little bit, knowing that you weren't going to see a, a three-point outing by our Spartans. It was probably a bit relaxing for you guys, as it was for me, um, just settling in to watch some of the other stuff going on around the conference. So, have yourselves a great Monday. Have a great week. Take care, folks.